Would you give your mum, dad, aunt or that uncle who hugged your partner a little too long free access to your phone? Oh no! Oh my god, it's, it's a really long video! Ew! In Dave's brand new YouTube original, Get Off My Phone, we've got six comedians to give their phones over to a relative with total freedom to read messages, DMs, photos and browser history. What's your social history? Sorry? What to do? Tips for relief. The rules are simple. Their relative can read anything they want and even make calls from the comedian's phone. What is this? What is I know what this one is. That, that looks really okay. bad. Starring Tanya Moore, Anya Magliano, Finlay Christie, Travis J with his mum Angie Lamar, Hayley Morris, Grace Campbell and dad Alistair Campbell. Slightly sexually compromising <laughs> Divulging their deepest digital secrets. <laughs> what the hell is happening? Get off my phone. A Dave YouTube original. Available now on Dave's YouTube channel. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. This podcast contains some big opinions, adult themes, and very strong language. This is a Dave original podcast. Great Britain in 2022 is a nation divided, probably. The culture war rages across every town and every city, sort of. So with civil war now the only realistic way forward for Britain, it's time to pick a side. To help you choose, here is the Late Night Mash podcast. Yes, we've got one too. With Jeff Norcott and Olga Koch. Are you Team Jeff? Brexity, benefit claimants are scroungers, loathe identity politics unless it's obsessing about being British. Or Team Olga, all white men are evil, vegetables have feelings too, not even really British. In this show, we take the biggest culture war battles and play them out in front of your very ears. Will Jeff and Olga find anything they can agree about, or will it all end in senseless violence? Find out now, in one of the slickest, most polished podcasts you will ever set ears upon. So you gonna are you gonna introduce me? Yes. Okay. And so I'll, I'll say right wing. Do I, to, do I have to say right wing menace Jeff Norco? Okay, and then I'll say you know I'll say something bad back. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, go go ahead. Do your worst. Oh god, I don't I don't know how comfortable I am with you to, go for to it. tell Honestly, you. Honestly, I mean I'm, unaf- um, I'm unoffendable. Uh, all right, uh, please welcome to the podcast unapologetic fascist Jeff Norco. Yeah, um, yeah, that's that's fine. Oh, God. <laughs> let, so let, me, let me take a bit of a run-up. Let's go. Uh, please welcome my co-host, uh, uh, G- Snivelling Gen Z uh, Woke Flake. Is that even a word? I love that. I'm also fully a millennial. I'm so old, so Jeff. how old are you? I'm 29. 29. In a yeah. relationship? Yeah, with good. a Gen Zer. Good. It's good. At this age, you don't want to not be. No, no. It's a tough one for women at this age. <laughs> it is, though, isn't it? Let's just be honest. <laughs> 
<laughs> Once you get to 28, the game changes. It's oh, got a great God, age yeah. for men that when women start making compromises. Oh my God. <laughs> Well, that's the best bit of my life. Though. No, but I've discovered younger men. And so now I don't need to sort of sell myself to a 29 year old man. I can just fully impress a 24 year old instead. Yeah. You know, well, let me know how that's going in your mid fifties. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, we should be polite about each other. Let, let's, let, should we do one where we're polite, right? Okay. I'm going to be polite. Uh, welcome to Late Night Mash podcast. And, and my co-host is a, a very, very fine comic. I saw a show at the Edinburgh Fringe. Despite being uh, left-wing and a millennial, she's really funny, Olga Koch. Thank you so much, Jeff. Yeah. And my co-host is the incredible, award-winning household name, Jeff Norcott. I mean, that's nice. Neither of those things are true. Never won any awards. You've never won any awards? No. It's... Can we get Jeff an award, please? Yeah. Yeah, think Producer about Andy, can you go first? Well, that's maybe Jeff something we could throw out there, isn't it? If there's an award, and this couldn't possibly backfire, could it? People probably, there's no way people could run with this and just use it to insult me further. But an award for Jeff, what kind of award could you give What me? Do you have a, a, a award that you kind of secretly want? Would you like a... Um, I don't, you know, people think that I'm the best at something. Everything culturally at the moment goes one way and then the other. On the one hand, the comedy industry has been fairly nice to me, but, you know, there's a certain caution. Equally, I do have an operational services medal for performing in Afghanistan. How many... Okay, so you do have a medal. Yeah, yeah. How many left-wing comics got that? I mean, you, you have an award. What you're saying is you have a medal. I'd, I'd say it's bigger than an award, really. Oh, God, okay. An award is something loads of people in Pashminas sort of decide in a coffee <laughs> shop. Uh, this was actually decided by the MOD. They said, thank you for performing all those knob gags in Helmand province. I have been in a war, I guess. So, you know. Oh, obviously, that's how you're going to sell it to your grandchildren. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. Do, you know, do you know, actually, there's, there's a photo of me doing a crowd surfing at Camp Bastion. And, oh, wow. Uh, like the way that I have indoctrinated my son into, because it's so important for me, for him to think well of me, is I've just shown him all like, and I haven't shown him bits where I was sort of like crying in a tent because it was 50 degrees Celsius. He doesn't need to know about that side of it, you know? You were crying because it was too hot. Yeah. You I, were at war crying because it was too hot. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I haven't actually, <laughs> I haven't actually ever heard it back. <laughs> God. But if anyone, yeah, if anyone can think of an award for Jeff, you know, it keep, you know, it'd be great if it was a positive thing. But you know, if you feel the need to um, to be sarcastic, then I guess we can consider those as well. So Jeff, are you saying you want a participation medal? <laughs> right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I see where you go. I think this is obviously very different, and I'm, I'll I'll work out how in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> the first subject is uh, is this is that should comics be allowed to say anything they want, you know? It's the first time this has ever been discussed. Yeah, no one's, I think, no one's know, ever brought that up before. It's interesting because we're in different places on the comedy spectrum. I can't think my view on this is sort of predictable, but I'm, I'm interested in what you think. I don't know why we ask this question because yes, they are allowed to say whatever they want. Mm. It's just that they suffer the consequences if that happens to be hate speech or, uh, mm. or upset someone. No one is saying you're not allowed to say certain things. But if the cause, because this is the thing about you guys, right, is you give it the old consequences stuff. Yeah. It can sound like a sort of mafioso threat. It's like, man, you say whatever you want. But, uh, <laughs> the consequences are going to be there, you know. Hey, yeah, no, hey, no one's stopping you. So that's what I suppose I wonder is obviously, you know, there are there are things that you could say that would really upset people. But it's whether certain, in certain situations the consequences are sort of out of step, you know, whether the punishment sort of, 
fits the crime. Yeah, when um, Ricky Gervais and Louis C.K. are selling out mm. some of the biggest venues in the world yeah. and no other comic can come even close to selling as many mm. seats. It really is quite sad that they have been cancelled in silence for saying whatever yeah, they I want. Yeah, I mean, that is the problem for my side of the argument is you get these guys, but then you think if you're kind of, um, if you're sort of using them as a yardstick, you mean like globally famous millionaires right. with a huge global following, that's sort of like, you know, if old Jeff is saying some of that stuff, do you think, oh, Jeff is going to be, I'll be back supply teaching within six months, you know? I don't know if that's true. I feel like it's not no. like y- your audience is a bunch of snowflakes and then you suddenly mm. say something controversial and they turn on you. Your mm. audience wouldn't turn on you, would yeah, they? Yeah, but would like, you know, like when when you can reach a lot of people with a program, broadcasters, we, as we all know, it's incredible with TV. It's very, it's very liberal. If someone has a proven ability to sell tickets or get audience, you know, certain behaviours right. uh, can be can be uh, set aside. It's a difficult debate to have just because all of the real life examples of it is mm. some people on Twitter got upset with someone saying something. Yeah. And then what happened? I mean, there has been like, you know, there are, there are risks from both sides of the, of the fence here. Like, for example, you know, I go on and there's certain, you know, sort of uh, trans debates and stuff like that where I could say something that would cause a problem. And maybe the BBC would then think, well, you know, we, we want to work with him on that. I'm not like radical in that respect, but they might ask questions. But equally, if you went on the one show with no poppy on, why does Olga hate Britain? I did that on Mark the Wick and people tweeted that at me. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> well, why do you hate Britain? Oh, God. Oh, where do I even begin? Um... <laughs> Yeah, no, I just like every example that I think of, like Jimmy Carr got into quote unquote trouble when he did the joke on his latest special, but that special was on Netflix. And then he, even when we talk about suffering consequences, he didn't really suffer any consequences apart from what a couple of think pieces and some tweets that people got upset. I just find it very difficult to find someone who actually quote unquote got canceled. Well, all right, so we, we, you know, at the fringe this year, Jerry Sadovich, yeah, two performances of a show. First one happened. There were various reports of, of walkouts, a lot of rumors that it was mainly venue staff uh, getting upset because there was content in it uh, that he got his dick out and waved it uh, around. Yeah, I mean, that is like his, it's almost his catchphrase over the years, isn't it? It's been his penis. Well, I, I want to appeal to the right winger in you and say, is Pleasance not a private enterprise who's entitled to platform yeah, yeah. and non-platform whoever the hell they want? And I want to say, but should they not also face the consequences of... Which they have from people like you. Yeah, yeah, that's a fair point. <laughs> don't put that in. Don't fucking, this, is not what, this is not what a producer wants. You've got to fucking disagree on everything. But he, I mean, so he... Where's the re- when's the wrestling bit of this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> but he, I mean, one of the issues was that he's used sort of racial epithets and, and negative language in, in his thing. And that's that's difficult. You know, for someone like me, I don't I don't really, if I'm honest, want to sit there defending a comic's right to do that. But equally, I, I do believe that you could create a comic persona over the years where you could create a context where you can use those words where the audience would sort of understand that that wasn't necessarily what the person I thought. mean, so many words are considered hate speech, and yet um, Louis C.K., pre his famous mm. consola- cancellation, by cancellation I mean he got a Grammy mm. and sold out the Apollo. But um, <laughs> his breakthrough special, he said the N-word fully yeah. over and over again. Despite what people think, I- I'm not that guy. I'm not going to say... Um, those words I'm going to try and find ways around subjects but I just think say for example like it kind of emerged that Stuart Lee had a routine where he used the n-word my instinctive thing would be I could credit that an artist like him could create a context Daniel Ketson said the p-word like three years ago yeah in his roundhouse residency yeah yeah you don't see him on telly anymore do you 
because he doesn't want to be on telly. <laughs> <laughs> he cancelled himself for te- from telly for fucking artistic reasons. Uh. The other one, and you know this as, as a comic yourself, is how you can make paedophile jokes. You just can. Yeah, people do them all the time. Yeah, and I'll be honest, I laugh at almost all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, one of the reasons paedophilia... Uh, oh, boy. ...is funny. Sound I, bite. I would, I would argue it's funny. It's, what, nonce is a funny word. Kitty fiddler is a funny word. Ralph Harris, all, all the main pedophiles are quite funny. Oh my God, tangent. Do you know that nonce is like a word in cryptocurrency? Is it? Yeah, it's like, so it, it's a, because nonce is a Britishism, right? Yes, For yeah. pedophile. In oh. America, nobody knows what nonce is. Yeah. So they called something within Bitcoin nonce. And so there's a company in America, like a cryptocurrency company called Nonce Capital. Oh my God. And then it went viral and they got so excited. They were like, yes, we're getting all this press, but they didn't understand why. <laughs> Nonce Capital. Yeah. Oh, I didn't realize that they were recording like city status. <laughs> the, the European city of nonsense this year. <laughs> Maidenhead. All right. <laughs> See, I was going to say a town up north, but that's got connotations, you know? I self censor sometimes. Maidenhead is a home of Rolf Harris. There you go. That is why. Scarborough. Jimmy Savile. I go. mean, that's the that's the point, right? You couldn't have any more clear... The way you're like, pedophiles are funny, but boom, I'm not going to offend Northerners. <laughs> I was thinking more the grooming gang thing, but, you know, but that, that's an example. What's the grooming gang? Well, I mean... Oh, God, maybe we don't have time for that. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah. You see, well, well, see, this is... So we're now, sorry, we're now having a, sub, a chat about whether or not you can talk about certain subjects. I've mentioned, and Andy's I've mentioned us. grooming gang and, and the producer has shat himself. So let's not <laughs> pretend that there's not something going on here. Uh, and uh, I would say uh, that I think that there are certain bits of content that comics don't want to be you know, associated with. But I have been and I've worked on shows where people just say, let's not even do the subject. So I think that's interesting. You go, right, you're saying there's no way around this. And I can think of a couple of examples. One of them I was on a topical show and uh, the Ukraine war broke out. This is about a week earlier. Mm-hmm. This was the first show to go out. And they said, we're just going to not talk about that this week. I'm mm-hmm. like, you're a topical news show. There's war in Europe, right? And this is the first time uh, that you're on air since that happened, but you're not going to talk about it. You know? And there's been, other, there's been other shows I've done where there have been subjects where they've literally said, it's just more trouble than it's worth. It's like, you know when something bad happens in a family and then you have a family do and no one talks about it? Yeah. That's weirder. You know what I mean? I think I understand what you're saying and I recognize that. And I wonder, I think it hasn't really shifted as to are we allowed to say certain things or not? What shifted is, do we recognize the power dynamic in it? And is is it coming from a person who sort of has the experience to say mm. stuff like that? So I wonder if there was a Ukrainian person with their family in mm. that war doing those jokes that would be more acceptable. See, and that is right? something like your generation of comics are more pro about that. Who gets to say this? Yeah. But I just, I, I just, I find that problematic. I, I didn't okay. know, I realized I was going to say the word problematic then. I find that really problematic. Okay. Can we, can we say that there is a problematic counter and Jeff is the first yeah, person to, to yeah. bring that word up? I'm actually feeling really triggered by what you just said. <laughs> but yeah, I just, I just think it's a shame that like, I don't like the idea of art shutting itself down in any way. I mean, I say art, that's just a fancy way of saying it. I just, if I think of a funny joke, I just want to fucking say it. All right. I mean, one thing that I find I do particularly with younger audiences now is that you just have to tell them you're about to say something shocking and they're fine. Because they've grown up in the era of trigger warnings. You go, yeah. by the way, I'm going to say some bad stuff. That's it. Say that. You're in the clear. You can talk about nonsense. You can talk about anything. And you'd say that's Jerry Sadowitz's biggest mistake. 
He didn't do a trigger warning. Well, he did, though, didn't he? I mean, it's one did. of the most uh, comprehensive trigger warnings in the history of the Fringe. I mean, literally said all the stuff that's going to happen. He talks about him getting his penis out repeatedly. Yes. Well, they just male performers love getting their knobs out of the Fringe. But fucking it happens in Hamlet. Oh, bravo. Jerry Sadovich does it. Oh, disgusting. He is a terrible Hamlet. That we cannot <laughs> agree on. <laughs> What do you think we agree on? Uh, I I felt like what emerged in the discussion was that there are problematic things on both sides of the cultural debate. You know, like there's stuff that you could say on television that would piss off right wingers too. You know, there's jeopardy on both sides. Oh, and I have. Oh my god. Okay, mm. so I was on Love Island after Sun. Okay. And there was an Irish, quite pale Irish boy yeah. on Love Island, and I said he shouldn't legally be allowed into Spain. And I got four Ofcom uh, complaints for racism against Irish people. That is hilarious. So what I want to say is um, I've been cancelled. I've yeah. been deplatformed. Four Ofcoms, that's quite a lot, yeah. actually. You You're welcome. <laughs> you just kind of way cooler in my <laughs> I'm dangerous. I'm yeah. Da- yeah, I don't think I've ever, you know. I mean, like I've had abuse. Well, <laughs> I think left wing goes to Twitter and right wing goes to Afghan. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is the <laughs> points of view. Uh, <laughs> you just outman me. I feel emasculated. <laughs> I think, I, I guess my thesis on this question is you can say everything as a comedian. Mm. I, w- I won't even say you suffer the consequences because I can't even point out of a person who has, truly. Mm. Like there are one-off moments, but in the long run, no one's not able to do their job anymore the problem is the word cancel because obviously it's it's a it's a word that we know even even the people that moan about it most know deep down that most of these people aren't banished into the wilderness forever so maybe just call it consequence culture and just say are the consequences sometimes excessive and in my view sometimes uh they are the common ground is you can say everything there are just consequences and the disagreement is are the consequences worth it or not okay all right but I think fundamentally we agree that you can say anything. Yeah, you want. yeah, but that's like saying you can just murder someone, but you'll get taken to court. Yeah. You know, so, but that, that doesn't. I've lost my fucking logic here. <laughs> you started so high. No, no, but the problem it was so is. Confident. But the problem is, is that that now sounds like I, I'm arguing for your side. It's like, yeah, you shouldn't be able to murder people. Yeah, what Jeff. do you think I'm doing? Yeah. Shit. 
Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with Code Program for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code Program. Okay, I actually got an email from a close personal showbiz friend, Catherine Ryan, you might have heard of her. Brag. Uh, yeah, and she has said, uh, she's a question she wants us to address. And the question is this, is polyamory a real thing or just shagging about? I don't think this is going to be as big of a debate as you think oh, because really? I think polyamory is nonsense. Go on, I'm surprised. I am surprised. I, I am intellectually on board with it mm. anytime I've met anyone practicing polyamory and no offense to any of my friends who are. Some it's offense, just a bunch of offense. Let's be honest. I mean, you can't just caveat that. You a lot of offense. Sex nerds. Sex <laughs> nerds. Sex nerds. The whole lot of them. Bunch yeah. of sex nerds. Why? It's so much admin. It's so much mm. scheduling. Yes. It's over intellectualizing horniness. I hate it. <laughs> this is so. I. I, I agree. I, <laughs> I. I agree. I think that it is. We don't have to like medicalize everything and no. give it like a. It's good. It benefits from having a cool name, doesn't it? Polyamory. It just sounds like a really cerebral drag queen, doesn't it? <laughs> polyamory comes out and just... I, I, I think that, in my view, say there's like a, a three three people, you know, they're in a relationship. There's a subordinate person in that relationship, I'm going to guess, right? And that is you. It could be, yeah. It would Like, someone that only ever gets midweek. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Never getting the big show piece of cake. Or even if the sex is happening, someone that's sort of like you remember there was that brilliant bit in Friends where where Ross and his missus tried to freeze him and that, and then he he was done very early in the piece, and then he ended up like bringing them water, and making oh, sandwiches, the towel person, yeah, 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 the okay. water carrier, right? Okay. There's gonna yeah. be someone who's punching and therefore kind of has to accept it, and I I don't like like you say, I think it all depends who's saying it, right? I think if you are a smart person, you can make it work. You know what I mean? So if you're an intellectual woman working in the arts, go, I'm polyamorous. Like, Caleb understands that. And, I, you know, I speak with other men. But if you're a guy, like, say you go to a Trump rally and a guy just goes, yes, fucking right. Yeah. I fucked two women. <laughs> Same thing. <laughs> and I bet he's I'm, not happy when those two women fuck each other. That is the Valhalla. For some reason. Oh, yeah, it probably gets boring after a while, like all things. You know what I mean? No, I think in theory that's fun. And then yeah. you realise they don't need you and you get a little sad. Yeah. Yeah, they're going to need you in the end, let's be honest. <laughs> Come okay, on. this is a different controversial question <laughs> that Catherine Ryan did not send in. No. Do you eventually need a cock to come in and just sort it out? Uh, but that's for another week. And here I am. <laughs> Have you seen the flag for polyamory? No. It's got a flag. It's really weird. It, it's all these colours. They, they always are. And then there's this little yellow symbol in the middle. And it looks like a flag for a failed communist state. Like all the other kind of pridey type flags, a pretty cool one or the other. This one actually looks like an idea that doesn't really work in reality. The way that you snuck in communism in there. Also, I wanted to do a joke, but I realised it wasn't on brand for me. When you said failed communist day, I wanted to say, do you mean communist day? But um, <laughs> can please, I do that one? Please cut that. Yeah, you can have that. <laughs> and by failed communist state, I mean communist state. How dare you? Yes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so, as I mentioned, I intellectually yeah. and rationally understand where people are coming from when they advocate for polyamory. Right. Um, and our producer, Andy, yeah. um, collected some, some points, some of these points. Yeah. 
Because Weirdly, Adam laminated. Feels like he's tried to present that to his missus at some point. Though. Yeah, he handed it to me as an offer and then said, "Oh no, it's actually for it's actually for, it's actually for the podcast." Why it's, do you have to sign the bottom bit? <laughs> <laughs> okay, so uh, basically, I do think that this is a very tricky way. It's a very sneaky way to build an argument, which is mm. by going actually monogamy is bad. Well, we're not debating whether monogamy is bad. We're debating whether polyamory is good. And I just think it's a very sneaky thing to come in and just be like, mm. polyamory is good because monogamy is bad. I don't know if that's... See, that's what I like about you being on the show. Intellectual rigor. That <laughs> would, wouldn't have occurred to me. Very good point. Because essentially all the arguments aren't why polyamory is good. All the arguments are monogamy is bad. Yeah. And that's not the debate. Yeah, everyone knows this Andy? shit gets boring over time. Come on. Yeah. Except my marriage, which is amazing still. Normalization of jealousy as key indicator of love. Jealous. Okay, yes, jealousy is bad. I think one of the most compelling arguments towards polyamory is you have a lot of friends, mm. so why would you only have one partner? I guess. Mm. Just so the thing about polyamory is it's not in like an open relationship where you are having sex with a lot of people. Yeah. And it's not you being single and dating a lot of people where you're mm. not committal. Polyamory means you have actual relationships with a bunch of people. And mm. I simply don't think you can remember that many birthdays, graduations, <laughs> funerals, dinners. When you say graduations, that's because you date younger blokes. <laughs> From their PhDs. Yeah. Um, it just feels, if you have a full-time job yeah. and you have one partner, Surely that's enough. You know, it's the same argument against guys that used to have multiple wives. You know, it's a nightmare. That's what you're saying. Because if we're saying this is all right, let me look at these guys, you know, in uh, in parts of the world where sort of having several wives is, is still legal. Utah. Yeah. <laughs> and you go, well, it's the same argument we used to make about that, right? Why well, would that, you could, can you intellectualize that? I'd imagine the kind of sort of probably metropolitan liberal types that make this argument would look at, would have once upon a time looked at those relationships and gone, well, that's an absolute disgrace. Look at repressing these women. And then here they are just shagging about. It's, look, I'm 45. The other issue here is, <laughs> is libido, you know. <laughs> I mean, I'm happy that my libido is on the wane. It's like being, it's like being released from, the vice-like grip of a madman, you know? The idea that you just be having And then to you so bully me for dating younger men. It's <laughs> pretty true. You know, at least bisexuals, at least they get a stick, don't they? You know, the old bisexuals. They all pick a team and stuff like that. But they pick a team for a while, you know? And then another tournament comes on and they might change colours. These guys, they're at the World Cup. They could support anybody at any given week. And that's not fair. That's arguably the most compelling argument against polyamory. <laughs> I feel like I've misunderstood about 14 separate things in one there. <laughs> I, okay, again, just because I know that I'm meant to, to show the lefty perspective on this. Yeah. I fully support anyone's decision yeah. to live a polyamorous lifestyle. Yeah. I will just say that it is not for me. Okay. And you know what's the great thing about, like, come from where... Yeah, that's the thing I that I'm jealous from. of you, that you just get to come out and just be like, fuck you. <laughs> I fully don't support them. I think, <laughs> I think that they're broken inside and that, you know, they need to speak to their parents about their childhood because it's not right. I also think... Do you know how liberating it is to just say something? It's not right. Oh, man. <sighs> just say Whew, it. Just say it. It, ain't, it ain't right. It ain't right and I'm not having it. Gay men more likely to be doing this sort of business. I think they, statistically more likely within that community. Is that a better way? I don't know the numbers. Me yeah. personally, I don't know yeah. the numbers. I would say they probably popularized an open lifestyle. Mm. 
and I, I personally know more gay men in open relationships. Yeah. I think a positive conversation that polyamory opens up and the mainstream mm. and polyamory entering the mainstream is chal- challenging some aspects of heterosexual monogamy, right? Because yeah. so much of it is tied to marriage, so much is of to, tied to property, mm. so much of it is tied to women's value and whether they have an expiration date and whether like one sexual libido is a, a beyond end all within a, a romantic relationship. Yeah. And I think it's healthy to challenge all these things. It's mm. healthy to challenge whether the man should be the breadwinner. And then all of this, I think polyamory poses a challenge to one aspect of a monogamous heterosexual relationship. Yeah. I mean, a lot of stuff you were saying there, I was like, well, that's really good stuff you're saying. You know? That's not why you're here. Monogamy, <laughs> home ownership. Oh, yeah. You know, all that stuff. So why challenge you, it? You felt like more arguments against polyamory, actually. It just, to me, feels like such an easy breeding ground for abusive behavior. Mm. Like if you upset someone, you're like, oh, actually, you're being really not progressive with how jealous you're being. And it's like, you gave me an STD. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That you can imagine <laughs> yeah. as well. It's like the worst kind of like fake liberal guys. Yeah, 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 Because really yeah, 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 yeah. they know that language. It's they... actually really toxic of how yeah. jealous you are when you walked in on me fucking your best friend in your bed. That's yeah. really toxic, Brenda. It was so not cool. Fuck <laughs> it. But by the way, if her name's Brenda, I'm surprised she's even got a man. It's not a cute name, is it? <laughs> <laughs> Brenda and Moira. Uh, Cancelled. Yeah, yeah, by the Brendas. The other thing, the other thing that I find odd is that it's more like your generation that are doing stuff like that because you know the millennials and the Gen Zers got a reputation for being nerdy, boring, uptight, all this stuff. When it comes to sex, absolute freaks, just getting up to all sorts of wrongness. <laughs> and I, you know, is that is that t- what is that like? It, you know, my my generation, we're like, oh yeah, yeah, Gen X man, drugs and alcohol and Liam Gallagher and all this, boring. Like I don't, I don't know a single bloke my age that's probably done the stuff you've done. First of all, thank you, Jeff. <laughs> uh, second of all, this this is my completely underinformed, but no mm. no less um, no less confident opinion about this. <laughs> Gen Z are actually statistically having less sex. Oh, this is this is a fact. I don't know. It could be lockdown. It could be revenge porn. It could be a whole host of mm. reasons. That's number one. I think, and again, I have absolutely no proof to it other than I've seen a lot of Gen X media. Yeah. Alcohol and cocaine contribute to erectile dysfunction. Yeah. And so there is this generation, which I am part of, which are millennials, which were on the cusp of like, maybe sex positivity and like over eager sex positivity to the point, I think that kind of ended with me too. Mm. I think for, for for best because we got made we became much more nuanced when it came to consent when it came mm. to like what what it means to have casual sex and all of that and i think these conversations only started happening in the past few years because i think right before me too it was just like all steam ahead fuck everything yeah and i do think again with absolutely no no proof to back it up i think millennials probably fuck the most of the three generations right because that's what happened in comedy is that i me i was in the old jongler circuit very macho and stuff like that we all thought we were the top boys people your generation were like oh i'm going back to home terms have a milkshake and stuff like that we all he's we... having a milkshake because he has a he has a rock hard erection milkshake <laughs> <laughs> 
A milkshake even sounds like Urban Dictionary type thing for some yeah. weird millennial freaky sex. And that was the irony all along. We was looking at you thinking you was the boring lot. You was having hookups and all this stuff. You get to the Edinburgh Fringe, you look at some comic with their satchel and their fucking cardigan, do you know what I mean? <laughs> Doing their intro- The satchel full of condoms to just, the brim. Uh, just sex toys in the t- satchel. And you know the funny thing about- Sex toys <laughs> in the satchel. <laughs> that is definitely a show next year for someone, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Judy Blythe. A backpack full of butt plugs. <laughs> but like the sex that's been able to the old Jongler circuit, right? It's pretty, it's pretty seedy, you know. Like it'll be there would you, when you did club comedy. There was this weird like period of about ten minutes where you were sort of famous in the room, and then it would dissipate. But if the comic could pull in that period, they would often take the girl back to the the room, and then you know. But but it was very like. I guarantee that the sex that was being had in those dressing rooms yeah. was like straight banging. Some of the worst in the world. Some of the worst sex, like three minutes of the worst sex you've ever seen. Meanwhile, the fucking milkshake brigade are back at the Novotel shitting in each other's mouths. <laughs> Never forget Birmingham Glee. Uh, oh, God. Yes. Yes. I think we're agreeing too much for the concept of this podcast. No, no, I, I think that that is radical in itself. That is a radical act. Nuance, you know? Yeah. So I think, yeah, well, I think what we've come to a conclusion here, polyamory is completely made up and and young people are perverts. That feels like the conclusion. Can we sign off on that? Absolutely. Good. Okay, I feel like we've reached a consensus. Yeah, yeah. Let's see what Catherine thinks. I don't think polyamory being real is up for debate like women being funny or not. I think it's definitely a thing that some couples like, but the number is lower than we imagine. The number is lower than the people participating in banging other people's partners. One of my favorite things about polyamory is when I watch the reality shows about it, like a man who has four wives or five wives, he's always miserable. That's my favorite. Because you think, oh, he's getting all this sex. No, he's getting like loads of different families that he has to buy houses for blown out of the side of a mountain or whatever. But I mean, I just love like you look at that man's empty gaze and he wishes he was fucking zero women. Oh, and another thing, I believe that I should be allowed to think it's gross without kink shaming someone. Oh, Catherine, you can't say that. I'm a polyamorist and that's my kink and you can't kink shame me as long as there's consent and, you know, everyone's being honest. No, 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 because guess what? Being grossed out by polyamory is my kink. So you're kink shaming me. (laughs) And she's absolutely right about men who want to end up fucking zero women. That's just your mid-40s. I think the agenda of this podcast is Jeff trying to universalize his experience of not wanting to have sex. <laughs> yeah. All of us, right? It's all and of it's us. It's in the wall, right? Chemtrails. <laughs> <laughs> Earlier, when you sort of alluded to quasi small-c conservative values in relation to polyamory, is there, is there any other stuff? You know, when you think about my community, the boomers, the gammons, okay? Do you ever think there's stuff about that? I, w- I wouldn't mind a day, you know, feeling like that or talking like that politically and culturally. Sometimes it's tempting mm. to see other people of your ilk mm. take an opinion they personally hold mm. and present it as an unequivocal truth about the world. And so when I say polyamory doesn't work for me, 
there is a part of me that just wants to say, and polyamory is bullshit and everyone who does it is an idiot. But then obviously the Judge. lefty in me has to pull back and say, just because it doesn't work for you individually doesn't mean it doesn't work for other people. But it, but I bet it feels so good to just be like, fuck all of you! Just oh, judge mm. people. I mean, they were saying, uh, there, there was this sort of philosophy that came in like, oh, you should never judge someone. We go, oh, out loud. We're all doing it all the time. Like, you're in a relationship at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. How much of your time with your partner is spent just judging the shit out of everyone and everything? Best bit of it. Best bit of it, right? Mm. That's one of the things that makes you love someone is you realise... You unite you, against the world. You hate the same things. What do you wish to borrow from the snowflake community? So one thing, where, you know, I'm envious of when you look at the left is, is like hypothetical certainty about their decisions. Because if you think they haven't won any elections for ages... So they're in this fantasy world where, oh, I voted for so-and-so and that was all fine and I voted Remain and there was no negative things there and I voted fucking Ed Miliband and it was all fine. There's a part of me that wants to lose an election and for them to see what it's like. Because, boy, it's been 12 years since the Liberal left. Well, no, since 2005, since the left won a... a so you're jealous of us because we don't have to suffer any consequences. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you side keep winning, you're like, oh, God, what have they done now? You know what I mean? That is, so when you also keep losing, there's this kind of unbroken narrative of having made the right choices. Look, there would obviously have been positives to vote and remain, but there would obviously be other things too, right? You know, things that happen with the vaccine. Oh, boo-hoo, I'm so sorry that you're in power for so long, Jeff. It's, look, it's tough at the top. Heavy as the hair. Heavy as it is. It's lonely up there. <laughs> um, so there is a part of me that does think maybe losing the odd election actually just reminds people, you know? Because you, what you like more than being in power is the underdog narrative. So you want to play victim for a little bit. Is that, is that what I'm hearing? I think it might be. <laughs> Look, if it's going to be like this, I'm not going to be happy. If you keep pointing out the hypocrisies in my own shit, it's not good for the brand. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I want to be the loser. Yeah? It's yeah. just tiring being the alpha male. <laughs> <laughs> So this is the end of the first episode, and it's actually, I will say this, it's been surprisingly not painful uh, to do this with you. Men keep saying that to me. <laughs> and I, I think, like, uh, I think, you know what I think will happen? Is, is This is sort of like meeting in political no-man's land, isn't it? That's what this is. Yeah, it's playing football on, in World War One. We are kicking around the bladder of opinion between two global superpowers, and it's just a brief cessation, cess stopping... Of, of aggressions, and and I, th I think that's nice. I think that's nice. And 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 I don't want to be too bold, but I do think that what well, we got eight episodes, ten episodes, I don't know. But over that time, I think you're going to change. Do you think we're going to achieve world peace? No, I think you're going to. change. I think I'm going to be fairly stable. But I think you, you know, just bit by bit, just through being in my company, you might start to, you know, just see a few things get a bit more based. No promises, and I think by the end of the eight episodes, you're going to be in a polyamorous relationship. Oh, my God. If you've enjoyed this podcast, please tune in to Late Night Mash, the TV show, on Dave at 10 p.m. Thursdays. You can also stream it for free on UK TV Play if you're young and hip like me. Olga Koch. 
I'm not that old. I've streamed stuff. Documentaries about the war. So what if it was? And you know what? Even if you haven't enjoyed the podcast, tune into the show. A hell of a lot more money spent on a TV show. Yeah, the TV show is not filmed in a seedy hotel room, for instance. And I wish it were. Each week, our new host, Rachel Paris, is joined by a load of funny correspondents and a special guest, all giving their expert analysis on this week's news and everything else interesting going on in the world of culture, society, and showbiz. Jeff Norcott's on it sometimes. I'm on it. And we're funny, right? Right? Right. You're great, Olga. We're good together, actually. We could become a powerful double act like Benefer. We could call ourselves Norcock. Jeffka? Maybe. Late Night Mash, Thursdays at 10 on Dave and streaming on UK TV Play. Have you ever wondered what it'd be like to nose around a comedian's house, take their stuff and see how much money you can make by selling it? No, that's a pretty niche thing, to be honest. Bit creepy, really. But that's the premise of Dave's brand new comedy podcast, Hard Sell, with me, Josh Jones. And me, Darren Harrier. We're going to travel the country, visiting the homes of different comedians, chatting about their spending habits before grabbing one of their favorite possessions and giving ourselves one week to try and sell it for charity in a competition to see who can raise the most money. It's a right laugh as we get to meet amazing funny people like Kima Bob, Joel Domit, Rhea Lena, Ivo Graham, Josh Pugh and lots more. But also sort of like an incredibly stressful cheese dream where we're trying to shift what are essentially stolen goods against the clock. (laughs) It's bonkers. Hard sell with Josh Jones and Darren Harrier. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. 